It's 5 o'clock in pirate country, and it's time to get pumped up with the P-Man. <laughs> hit the door and hit the road. 94.3 The Game is going to get you home, and the P-Man's not holding back. Yes! Yes! Pirates win! Pirates win! Bring on the Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. Holy mackerel! Oh, my goodness! The flagship station of the ECU Pirates. <laughs> All right, welcome in, everybody. It is the Patrick Johnson Show here on uh, 94.3 The Game, the IBX media app, which you could download for free at Google Play or the uh, App Store. We are getting ready for Pirate Basketball coming on tonight, and uh, it'll be East Carolina taking on South Carolina Upstate, the Spartans. Dave Dickerson, uh, who played for Lefty Drizel back in the uh, middle 80s, uh, and at Maryland in the middle eighties, uh, and also, uh, then was, uh, an assistant for Gary Williams on their O2 national championship team coached at Tulane as a head man for a little while, uh, six season as, uh, the guy at upstate and, uh, they're coming in with a team that, uh, does some interesting things. They're going to, they're going to force turnovers. They're also, uh, or try to force turnovers. They're also going to shoot, uh, the three and shoot it in a pretty good volume and have some guys that are pretty good percentage shooters. So we'll see. Uh, Philip, they played a team called Carolina University Sunday. And quite frankly, it sounds made up. Yeah, I think uh, I think a lot of the teams I've been seeing on schedules look made up. I, I don't even yeah. know where they're finding these schools. Well, they found them and they played them. And uh, there you go. Uh, so we've got that for you. Coach Swartz talked with Reggie Williams a little earlier today. And you know, they're still uh, not where they want to be defensively, obviously, but they feel like they're going to get it. And just talked about R.J. Felton, who's coming off that career-high 30 points. What a competitor uh, R.J. is uh, and uh, what an energy source he is, too, for this team. All right, uh, so we'll get you ready for that. Uh, Pilk, you may be doing a little post uh, or, or show countdown uh, as I depart after our uh, Doug Martin interview. It's just going to be you may have to wrap it up, Pilk, so just be ready. All be good. Ready. I know you're a busy man. Got to get over to the arena. Big game tonight. Yeah, it is, and uh, looking forward to it. Cy Seymour and myself uh, will be on uh, ESPN Plus at 7. Uh, Darren Vaught and Mike Perry uh, will have the call on 94.3 The Game and 107.9 WNCT at uh, 6.30 with the airtime for the network. All right, uh, Pirate Report time. Uh, Pilk, hit it. And now, Patrick Johnson with today's Pirate Report on the flagship station of the ECU Pirates, 94.3 The Game. Couple, so it was good. Um, just, uh, you know, really pleased with uh, how our team, uh, you know, prepared. Uh, and I say that, I mean, we've, we've been practicing a lot better the last three weeks, but... Uh, I think just you know the Friday Saturday preparation, the guys were really 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 good, and you know I knew we were ready to play. I knew we'd play well, but I think just the energy and the physicality and the intensity, which we talked about, you know, being you know that being a, a big piece of that ball game uh, this past weekend. 
Also, uh, he talked about his faith in the AAC Specialist of the Week, Andrew Conrad. Well, I think one of my answers uh, when you asked me after the Charlotte game was uh, I have confidence in Andrew and his ability to bounce back. And it's because of his mentality. And, uh, you know, he just he doesn't flinch. And uh, so, you know, he has, he has been solid. He was solid the next day after that game. And I had confidence he would be. And uh, we continue to put him out there in those situations because we do have confidence in him. But I think it's, you know, he handles himself uh, the way you want all your players to handle themselves. And so really he's, he's no different than, than any other player that you have confidence in, in that he shows you every day what he's, you know, what he's going to do. And, you know, when you talk to him, he, he has, you know, you can have feedback and conversation with him and you're not worried about him being fragile. He's a tough-minded kid, and that's that's, you know, that's the perfect kind of combination. He's got the talent, and he's got the mentality. Uh, we're talking with, uh, or hearing from, I should say, uh, Coach Houston in our uh, Pirate Report. Uh, Navy, their offense has evolved a little bit, got a new offensive uh, coordinator and uh, Coach Houston on how that offense is different this year than in the past. And in some ways, they're still the same. They're a little bit different than they have been in the past. You know, obviously, new head coach, new offensive coordinator, um, Coach Niemont's uh, no longer there, and uh, so it's going to be different there. You know, certainly uh, tremendous respect for him and everything he had done there. Uh, but, you know, it's new now. And so, uh, yeah, you, you, you still see some triple option. Uh, you see some, some gun stuff. You see some, you know, quarterback counter. You see power read. Um, you know, you see just a lot of different stuff that they're doing offensively, uh, and they are throwing the ball. Um, so, you know, the, the challenge now is preparing for all of it. Uh, you know, the, the triple option stuff is, is always a challenge to prepare for, but now you factor that in with everything else you're having to prepare for, and uh, it's a lot. And, you know, and, and, you know, we face teams like this in the past that when they can do all of it well, uh, it's it's really challenging for your defensive players to you know to play you know one thing one series or one snap and then be you know playing you know a little bit different style the next snap. Uh, more from uh, Coach Houston, and uh, this is a game where the Pirates are going to have to maximize their possessions. We got to maximize our possessions. I mean, I think we you know we can't give any of them away. Uh, you know, I think in this in this ball game, it's going to be. Um, you know, special teams, field position, turnovers. You know, those are going to be the, some of the key, key factors. Uh, so we can't give any of our possessions away. So we're going to be really uh, do a great job with ball security decision making. Uh, we've got to do a great job on third down. You know, we're going to need to, to drive the football and take advantage of being able to convert, uh, you know, anytime we have those opportunities. Um, and then we're just we're going to have to maximize, you know, when we do get down in the red zone. You know, we need to do a, a great job of uh, trying to come away with more touchdowns, uh, you know, when we get down there. He also talked about uh, scouting the midshipmen before this uh, traditional game week. The last month or so, we've been working on the Navy game plan on Sundays, um, you know, both with our defense and with our scout team players. And so uh, I thought we had a fast start. Um, you know, the, the scout offense looked, uh, you know, you're never going to be able to look just like they do. But I thought, uh, you know, for, for a group of, of guys not running that offense, I thought they looked really good Sunday to be able to give us a decent look. Uh, you know, today and tomorrow will be the big test because that's, that's the stuff in pads. And this is going to be, you know, you're not, playing, you're not playing tag out there against this team. You know, it's going to be a very physical football game. So, you know, we're going to have to prepare to play at a high level there. So not only executing uh, defensively, but playing with that physicality. 
All right, Pilk, uh, down to cut eight where Mike Houston talks about the team now after the win at FAU is hungry for more victories. They were energetic Sunday. So, uh, and I expect them to be real energetic uh, this afternoon. I just, uh, you know, they enjoyed that win down there Saturday night. Um, and I think they're very hungry to do it again. You know, after, after a bunch of close losses, you know, that's, you know that, was, that was part of our pregame thing too was, you know, I'm, I'm tired of being close. You know, we need, to, we need to get over the hump. We need to finish one of these games in the fourth quarter. Uh, and so it was great to be able to do that Saturday. And, you know, now the challenge is can we do it again this weekend? Uh, certainly we've got a, a, a different animal that we're going against. Uh, so that's even a, even a greater challenge. But, uh, you know, they'll be enthusiastic this week at practice, and I expect us to go up there and play really well. Finish it they did. And uh, when he talked about uh, all the experience they've had, against Navy in the past, putting that uh, to the test when they go to Annapolis? Well, they, they know the challenge. I think that's the great thing. You know, they, they know the challenge. Uh, they know the physicality. They know, they know how they're going to have to prepare. I think the other thing is, you know, they have played up there before because uh, you're – you're not just playing against Navy, the football team. You're, you know, they they march the core in there. It's a it's a great setting. It's going to be, a, you know, a, a very intense environment. And uh, you know, at least you know we have some guys that have been in it before. Uh, so they'll be, you know, hopefully a little bit more prepared for it. So uh, certainly, I think you know I've said it many times. It's you know been one of the things that's hurt us a little bit early in the year this year is you, you know you cannot put a, a value on experience. Uh, you can't get experience until you get experience. And so certainly at least, uh, you know, our defensive front has a lot of that. All right. Uh, wherever you are, wherever you are listening or uh, watching, thank you for being with us. It is the Patrick Thompson show here on uh, the flagship Pirates 94.3 The Game. IBX media app downloadable on Google Play and App Store. No pre-roll ads. Free. Archival shows, live stream, the whole night for all of our stations. Okay, a timeout. Doug Martin's going to be joining us here in a few minutes. We're going to talk a little ball with uh, Coach. And uh, don't forget, ECU basketball tonight in the Coliseum, 7 o'clock against Upstate. Patrick Johnson's show continues on here on 94.3 The Game. Taking the rage out of your drive home. You just cut me off, but it's no big deal. Patrick Johnson on 94.3 The Game and the new IBX Media app. Uh, welcome back. And on this uh, Wednesday show, hump day all downhill from uh, here. I've got to put on uh, my uh, suit in a few minutes, Pilk, so uh, we'll, uh, we'll get through uh, – our segments with uh, Coach Martin and not waste any of his time because I'm sure he'd rather be on his boat. In fact, I'm surprised he's not on the boat. What ha- Have you taken it out yet? Have you had a maiden voyage, Doug? Oh, absolutely. Been out a couple of times. This should show you how, how good of friends we are now. There's not many people I would miss a boat day for to do this. <laughs> well, you have some more time later on. So, I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those things. Well, we're happy for you. Did you link up with Ben, by the way? I tried to get you and Ben together. Did that uh, work I did. out? I did, and what an awesome guy. I really appreciate that. I was I was telling Ben, he's typical of all East Carolina fans. I mean, guys are so generous and reaching back to people and, and offering things like uh, giving some memorabilia of our Miami game and those type of things. We had a great talk, and, uh, you know, really good guy. 
he is a good guy, and uh, he's got a pretty good-sized boat, so maybe you could talk him into letting yeah, you go does. on that boat. <laughs> he sent me a picture of that. He sent me a picture. That's not necessarily a boat. That's more like in right. the yacht category. In the yacht category, yes. Yeah. <laughs> but you wouldn't know it. You wouldn't know Ben had a yacht. He's just a, a good old fella, so – Good cat. All right. Well, Pirates win. Pirates win. How about that, uh, Coach? And uh, the defense, again, was unbelievable. Now, you you watch these things with a more expert eye than uh, anybody that's listening to this conversation does, and certainly than I do. Was it so much the ECU defense, which I think was a big part of it, or, or was FAU just not having a great day offensively? No, I, I think East Carolina is for real on defense. I mean, they really – they do a great job of coaching on defense. They've got a good plan. Uh, I, I think week in and week out, they've been very consistent the whole year about the way they played defensively. And just to, to put Pirate fans at ease a little bit, I would say this too, Patrick. You know, for your team to go out and play as hard as they played against FAU tells you that they're, they're still on board. You know, the, the players are fighting, they're competing. It's really easy to lose your team having a season like they've had at that point unless they really have a solid foundation to the program. So I would think that, uh, you know, what Coach Houston has built there shows that it's really on pretty solid ground. Obviously, they haven't had the wins that we've wanted this year, that they've wanted, um, and offensively they certainly have struggled. But he's got the program on solid ground because it's still competing even at this, you know, this point in the season. They had a three-man rush going against the uh, Owls. Can you describe that to the listeners, what that means and what the advantages of that are? Yeah, so, you know, if you're rushing three, then obviously you're dropping eight into coverage. And there's different reasons for that. You know, if it's, you know, a third and forever situation, third and 20, a lot of people rush three just to, you know, make sure they don't give up anything deep. Or, you know, if you're playing a team that's really extraordinary throwing the ball, uh, and, and then you can certainly put more people in coverage. But you've got to mix those things up. You can't just continually drop eight all day long. If you're dropping eight all day long, sooner or later, people are going to start running the ball on you and, and do some other things to hurt that. So it's, it's the idea of showing that you're bringing, you know, five, maybe even six, but then dropping out and only bringing three. That's what confuses quarterbacks and, and causes problems when you can do those type of things. And I thought East Carolina did a great job of mixing up you know, their different style of rushes and different uh, type of packages they were bringing. Boy, I tell you, when you have a quality, any kind of court, defensive coordinator or offensive coordinator, uh, it's got to put your mind at ease as a head coach from at least that aspect of the game, I have to imagine. Yeah, I mean, you know, I had Frank Spaziani as a defense coordinator at New Mexico State when we went to the bowl game. And I didn't have to worry about that side of the ball. Now, you know, the jobs I had, I never had enough money to pay an offensive coordinator, so I had to assume that role, too, as, as, as the head coach. But, but you know, if, if you have both, man, I mean, then as a head coach, you can just concentrate on being the CEO of the program, you know, building relationships with the players, handling recruiting. It, it really takes a lot off your plate when you don't have to worry about one side or the other. When you have to call plays as the head coach, Doug, how does that change everything for you, though? Well, you know what? I tell you, play calling as a head coach really opened my eyes more uh, to the whole team process than as opposed to when I was just an offensive coordinator. When I was just an offensive coordinator, obviously I was just worried about scoring points. I just want to make sure that we scored enough to give ourselves a chance to win the football game. 
when you become a head coach, I think it just broadens your vision of seeing everything, you know, of understanding, okay, our defense is really going to have a hard time today because we're playing a team that has a great offensive scheme and a great offensive talent. So, you know, we're going to have to score more points today offensively. We may have to play more aggressively. Uh, we may have to try to hold the ball a little bit longer than normal. Uh, you know, and then vice versa, if we're, if we're playing a team where I know our defense is going to really – be able to handle, then, man, I can really be aggressive on the offensive side now and hopefully get them a lead to play with. So I think that's the main thing. Um, you know, obviously you have to handle timeouts. You have to handle the clock. You have to be able to communicate with your defensive coaches at the same time while you're calling offensive plays. So, you know, it, it's a lot for a head coach to do it. But, you know, once you get into the routine of it and, like I say, you've got a good defensive coordinator, uh, it's, it's really manageable. Doug Martin uh, with us, one-time ECU offensive coordinator now in the USFL, calling plays for New Orleans and uh, head coach uh, at Kent State in the past as well as New Mexico State on the Patrick Johnson Show. So uh, Andrew Conrad, specialist of the week, hits five field goals of 40 yards or more. That has tied some sort of NCAA record. Uh, and uh, Coach Houston said if I'd known he could have set a record, I'd have let him go out that last time and kick it, <laughs> you know, uh, which which they ended up not doing. But uh, can kickers get in a zone? Conrad claims he was in a zone. College kickers, man, as the hashtag goes. But, I mean, can a kicker get in a zone? Yeah, I mean, all players, all athletes at any sport, I think, can get into a zone. There's just those days where you're you're feeling it, you know, and especially after you hit a couple, like, you know, he maybe hit two or he hit the third one, then, man, you really start to feel good about it now. So I, I think you can certainly do that. Trivia question for you. I think I think this is right. It wasn't one okay. time. The most field goals hit in a game was six, and it was right. done when I was on the field playing against Auburn, Kentucky versus Auburn. Al Del Greco uh, kicked six field goals against the okay. Kentucky Wildcats and beat us 18-3. to three. <laughs> <laughs> What was wrong with the offense that day, Martin? What was wrong with well, the – you, you how good of a quarterback I was. That tells you how good of a quarterback I was. We scored three points. <laughs> Doug Martin with us here. The self-deprecating Doug Martin. It's always uh, great to have you. Well, you know, look, I, I know there's the philosophy of if you're not ending a drive and a touchdown, you're, you're leaving points out there, so to speak. But I think it is important, especially if you have a good defense, to be able to finish drive with, drives with some kind of points. And we kind of saw that was the case. I mean – 22-7, it wasn't even that close on, on Saturday. Yeah, you've got you got to get points, you know, especially if you're in East Carolina situation right now. Now, to grow and to get those wins that you really need, you got to get touchdowns when you get down there, obviously. And especially if you're playing a close game, you need touchdowns when you get down there. But, you know, that's going to come as they get better on offense. But right now, it's just finding a way to win some games here at the end of the season will mean so much to – not only your seniors, but give you something to springboard into, into recruiting, just makes everybody feel better about everything. And like I said, I I mean, that says a lot how hard their players played for Coach Houston in that game against FAU. I mean, that that really tells me they just get the offensive side of the ball fixed, and then they got a chance to have a good football program. We're talking to Coach Martin here. Navy is up next. You've dealt with uh, those uh, service academies before. Uh, Navy's really good on defense, so let's start there. Their, their new head coach is their old defensive coordinator after Ken Niamatololo was uh, summarily dismissed after the Army game. Uh, but, you know, when you look at that coach, uh, defensively, I mean, they shut down a UAB team that was doing something pretty well, and that was scoring points, only limited them to six. 
on Saturday? Well, you know, anytime you play one of the service academies, they're going to be disciplined. They're going to be tough. They're going to be smart. They're going to be team players. It's team football. I mean, these these are tough teams to beat. And, you know, they're going to give you 60 minutes now. I mean, guys, after this, they're going to go defend our country. You know, these guys, they, they've got something special to them. So it's going to be a battle. Uh, they are a good defensive team. Navy's been historically, I think, a pretty good defensive football team. Right. Obviously, their problems are scoring points and those type of things. So you're probably looking at a defensive struggle here in this game for East Carolina, but certainly a winnable game. I think East Carolina will have more team speed than what Navy has, and, and hopefully that will come into play and they'll be able to create some big explosion plays to help them get some points on the board. Coach, as far as dealing with that triple option, and you, I'm sure at some point in your head coaching career you played a team that ran it. Yeah, I mean, if when you know you're going to play a triple option team, there's got to be a lot of time spent on that. you got to have some time in spring practice actually has to be spent on defending the option and being able to handle those things. You know, we were kind of fortunate. We were at East Carolina when I was coaching there with Coach Logan. We played Army, who ran the triple option at that time, a couple other teams. But, you know, we also ran some option, too, as an offense. I always loved to have a speed option in my package. We ran a lot of trap option. Coach Shankweiler was great at scheming the trap option back then. So, you know, we kind of – our defense would get a dose of it from us during practice. So it wasn't quite as drastic when we went to play one. If you don't have it in your offensive scheme, though, and your defense is going to see it for the first time – you got to spend some time in the summer working on that, and you got to spend some time in spring practice getting ready for that. What makes it so tough to defend? Well, it's the discipline of it. You know, there's three veins. You know, it's the dive, the quarterback, and the pitch. And you've got to have somebody on each one of those guys with every defensive call that you make. Um, it's just you got to be really disciplined, and you've really got to run to the football. And at the same time, in the back end, where they make their living is throwing the play-action pass off of that. As soon as they see your safeties really filling the run hard, then that's where the play-action pass comes. So, you know, it's just something that you don't see a lot of. Uh, you got to be really disciplined defending it, and, and it takes some work. We got Doug Martin with us. Coach, can you hang on? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. We're going to talk some of the games from this past weekend and some games coming up. This weekend, primarily, we'll do that in a minute. Right now, Philip the Ref Pilkington with a 94-3 The Game Sports Update and Pirate Report. Thank you, P-Man. We will start in Pirate Athletics. The men's basketball team will be in action tonight against South Carolina Upstate. Last game, Coach Schwartz felt that his team was not aggressive enough in drawing fouls. We got the ball downhill and we did that and, and, and very glad we did. We, you know, we need to just – a team that does this to us, uh, obviously we converted and scored off of our defense because when you talk about those steals, that led to points and that was really big. But we got to be able to get the ball downhill, get it in the paint, like you said, and then get to the free throw line. And it just didn't – it didn't go today. We couldn't get to that free throw line with the way we wanted to. But, again, I give Campbell a lot of credit and, and we'll look at the film and we'll – We'll fix it, and we'll get back to, to trying to play that way. Last night, the women's team fell to 2-1 and one after losing to VCU 55-50. They went just 7 of 17 
from the charity strike. The women's team will be back in action next week when they head down to the Bahamas to take on nationally ranked Ohio State. The Browns have announced that Deshaun Watson will undergo season-ending shoulder surgery. Rookie Denard Thompson-Robinson out of UCLA is expected to get the start this Sunday against Pittsburgh. They also have former Pirate or former Panther, excuse me, PJ Walker on their roster. The Jets have waived running back Michael Carter, who they drafted back in 2021 out of the University of North Carolina. He has just over 1,000 career rushing yards in two plus seasons with the team. The Canes will be back in action tonight inside PNC Arena as they host the Flyers as they try to build on a four to nothing victory that they had Saturday down in Tampa. That'll do it for your 94 through the game sports flash update and pirate report on the other side of this timeout. We'll be back to talk more with former pirate offensive coordinator Doug Martin. Sometimes you just don't know if you want to kiss him or slap him. Ow! Either way, he'd probably like it. The Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. Welcome back. Martin is uh, on the phone with us uh, here as uh, we have joined him from the palatial Martin uh, Coastal Estate in Emerald Isle. Uh, Coach has gotten off the boat long enough to uh, talk with us here. Um, To me, uh, it was Georgia who had the big statement win last uh, weekend uh, with, uh, I was at home, uh, but I thought their win of against Ole Miss was the most impressive of, you know, those teams that were challenged last weekend. Yeah. I mean, until somebody steps up and, and can beat Georgia, they're, they're the team to beat in my mind. I mean, they're, overall, they're just the best team offensively, defensively. Uh, you know, they, they keep getting better on offense week after week after week. Obviously, they always play good defense. So when I look at the whole picture right now, I, I see them and Washington as being the two teams that really stand out. Washington, I think, has great defense. They've got an unbelievable quarterback. And they've kind of got, and both those teams are battle tested, Patrick. You know, they both have played really a tough schedule. I'm not sure that, you know, how State and Michigan have played the schedule that they have. And then Florida State banging on the door right there too. I think you know I'm not. I don't think they've quite played the schedule that Georgia and Washington have either. But uh, they're kind of playing well on both sides of the ball too. Washington with a good win at home against uh, then 18th ranked Utah. And I'll say this for Michigan: give them an honorable mention. They did. They did win at Penn State, and with everything going on there, uh, you know, credit to the players and the coaches for for getting a victory on the road. Yeah, there's a lot of distractions there. I'm not sure how good Penn State really is, though, when you put them up against marquee teams like that. They always seem to falter somewhat. I would tell you the two teams that I would keep my eye on and watch out for, and they both have one loss, is Oregon and Alabama. Those two teams with one loss right now, man, those two teams are hungry. They've gotten a lot better as the year's gone on. Alabama's a lot better offensively than what they were at the beginning of the year. And both of those teams are playing their best football right now. Alabama has also gotten. Uh, I mean, that was a pretty impressive win at Kentucky. In uh, you know, in the fashion that they did it in, they kind of put the Wildcats away and uh, never looked back in a lot of ways. They did, and K- Kentucky's a really good defensive football team, and they they took yep. them apart. And the, you know, the quarterback is really really athletic, and he got banged up in that game. Still played well. So you know, again, they they've just gotten better. I said before, I think last week on your show, I I think this might be Nick Saban. It's one of his best coaching jobs, the way he's handled that team, particularly offensively and the way he's brought them along. And, you know, they've been steady with it. And uh, they've gotten the quarterback an identity. They've changed the offense so that that quarterback can function within what they're trying to do. 
And that's the mark of good coaching, you know, when you play to your talent. You know, there's a couple games on the docket this weekend, and you look at them, uh, and they're good games, but, you know, where are they in the scheme of, you know, everything that is that is going on? Uh, one of them is uh, the Sunflower State rivalry, uh, t- both teams of the top 25, K-State and Kansas, and that's, that's a rivalry game, so there's a little spice included in that. Uh, that game, and then there was one other uh, that is uh, a top twenty-five. It was Arizona and uh, and Utah, and you know, again, top twenty-five caliber teams there. But next year, these games will have a little more meaning because these teams would be possibly vying for one of the uh, remaining playoff spots. Right. Yeah, I think next year you're right. These be a lot more important. They're obviously the Kansas State, Kansas. It's in state rivalry, all that type of stuff. And both of those teams, you know, are really good football programs. Uh, the job that's been done at Kansas has been remarkable. And uh, Kansas State, you know, is tough, physical, you know, hard nosed team. So, but th- that'd be a good football game to watch. Arizona is another team that you know really has come a long way. Uh, gotten a lot better week by week. Um, yeah. My son-in-law coaches at Arizona State, so I kind of get a feel for what's going on back there a little bit through him, and, and he really made the point to me that that team is really, of everybody in the Pac-12, that team probably has improved the most from the beginning of the season till now. So uh, we've got Georgia going on the road. You just talked about Georgia at Tennessee. Tennessee's coming off a, a loss. Their fan base is going nuts. Is this in any way going to be a challenge for Georgia because it's on the road? Yeah, I don't think so. I mean, Nayland Stadium is really tough, you know, to to go and play in there. Tennessee, uh, you know, Coach Heupel's done a great job there. Um, you know, I'll tell you what, and, and there's another program. But when when he when he took over Tennessee, it was a dumpster fire. Now that thing was a right. mess. So the job that Coach Heupel's done, they they shouldn't gripe too much about him in any type of year he has right now. He's he's done a fantastic job. But I think too much Georgia right now. They're playing at a really high level. And they got too many weapons right now. Uh, Coach Doug Martin with us here. Another one is Oregon State hosting uh, Washington. Is this a trouble game for the Huskies on the road? It's another huge test for Washington on the road. Oregon State's a really disciplined football team, physical, uh, play really well on both sides of the ball. I don't know what the weather's going to be like in that game, but you know Washington needs to be able to throw the football to let Penix, the quarterback, really, you know, use all his skills. So weather could be a factor in that one out that there that time of year. But uh, that'll be a tough test. But I, I think Washington is on a roll. I think they've got a chance to finish this thing well. Um, you know, there's a lot of things kind of happening with uh, the Michigan thing. I want to go back to that. Harbaugh suspended right now. I think if you talk to coaches, and you know this as well, you're you're always maybe in game looking for a little bit of an edge, but kind of that took it to a level that it, it obviously, if all the allegations are true, it didn't go to. With that said, the NCAA doesn't seem like they've done the most thorough of investigations. Uh, surprise, the NCAA was not thorough in some people's opinion uh, on on that. But I just kind of wonder, Coach, about you know um, this this can't the Harbaugh thing. It, it, I don't know. I mean, it just it just seems like this is uh, fret with uh, peril him as the head coach there. Yeah, I just, you know, during a game, everybody's trying to steal signals. And if you're trying, and that's why you'll see during the game, some 
teams hold up a big banner behind the coach so that the other opposing coaches can't see their signals. And that, that's why all that's done. And you see the big boards and those type of things. There's all sorts of ways of disguising your signals. And there's nothing wrong with stealing signals during a game. If you're good enough to get it done during the game, then, hey, that's part of the game. But when you're actually sending people to go scout games at a site, I mean, that's totally illegal. That's been illegal forever. And so if that's what they were doing, then, you know, they deserve to be punished. And it needs to be something more than just, you know, a couple of suspensions for the head coach. And and I, I would just say this. I mean, we, you know, I've been in this thing a long time. And something like that doesn't go on without the head coach knowing it's going to – if it right. happened. If that happened, that doesn't go on unless the head coach knows it's going on. I just refuse to believe that. I can't imagine that happening. So we'll see where that all goes. I think when you get back into that deal of, you know, the head, co- the head coach, I knew nothing about, whatever it is, the head coach knows everything that's going If the head coach doesn't know every minute detail, they at least have an idea. Somebody has told them what is going on generally. Yeah, something like that, for sure. I mean, there, there's a lot of things that I know head coaches get blamed for that, you know, they, they don't have any idea that some things are going on and, and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, but, that yeah, there, there's. I refuse to believe that you know the head coach didn't know that that was going on if all that was happening. We've got uh, a big meeting that was held earlier in the week, a, a conference call, a Zoom call uh, among ECU donors regarding NIL. Uh, we've talked about NIL on here. It's basically an open checkbook in some situations for free agency. But I, I think the thing, despite the improvement we've seen from the ECU team this year, is. You have to um, you have to you have to you have to support that if you have the means to do it in order to be competitive in this environment. I mean, there's just no it's going to yeah, be a well, half not, you know. I mean, I just so I I just I wanted to get you again on NIL because I know you you've talked about it pretty expertly because you talk to a lot of coaches that are that are having to deal with this right now. Yeah, there's a couple of things, okay? I mean, it's here to stay, right? You're not going to put that genie back in the bottle now, okay? It, it's it's something you're going to have to deal with. So I think it's having a strategy of how to use it most effectively for you, okay? So Georgia's NIL is going to be different than East Carolina's. So to me, it's, okay, how can we take what we have at East Carolina and use it to our best advantage? And But the other part of that is, I'm just telling you, is you've got to build a relationship, especially with the players that you have, to be, to help you hold on to them. You know, I mean, because you got to recruit your own team now, too. Because I guarantee you, East Carolina's best players, particularly on defense right now, somebody's going to try to get some of them and offer them something to leave. So I, I just think that, you know, building the relationships with the players – particularly your coordinators, I think is going to be really important for you to be able to keep players, you, you know, and I, and listen, the best job I ever had in my whole career was offensive coordinator at East Carolina. I enjoyed that. I loved it. I mean, we, I had a great relationship with Mark Crandall and David Gerard and those guys. And I was lucky to have some really good players like them to coach. And I always think back, you know, if NIL was in place at that time, would we be able to hang on to those guys or would I be hanging on to Julian Edelman when I was at Kent State? And, I, I maybe it's a little bit of arrogance on my part, but I think because of the relationship that I had, it would be hard for somebody to, to just take those guys from us. Now, obviously, if somebody's offering them a million dollars, they're going to go. Yeah. But yeah. I think it's really important that you build relationships with those guys, and uh, and I think it's that's why it's really important that your assistant coaches 
have to take that off the head coach. Your assistant coaches have got to be really good at building relationships and establishing relationships with the current players so that you don't have to worry so much about losing those guys. All right, two more things before we go here. Uh, Tulane, just to go back to a, a game this week, they'll be at Florida Atlantic. They've won their last three games by a combined seven points. They are living on the edge. Now, you could argue they're winning these close games uh, because of their style and also because of their experience, uh, or you could argue they're ripe for the picking. Which one do you think is is the more true statement? Well, I think I think it's a little bit more their style right now, and and really for them, they're in surviving advance mode right now. It doesn't matter what it looks like; just get the W, just get the win, and, and put yourself in a position to do something special. Philip the Ref Pilkington, who's the producer of this show, gave me uh, an admonishing last week because we did not ask you what the name of the boat was. <laughs> That's a good question. I'm st- I have not named it yet. Uh, you know, the, the, uh, I'm working on some things. I've got to make sure that I appease the wife here, too, because she did put up some uh-huh. of the money for this. So, so there's got to be oh. something to come along that line. Okay. Well, look, it's a partnership, right? I mean, that's part of it. So it's. <laughs> she keeps telling me it's an 80 20 partnership. She's got 80%, and I got 20. So there, there you go. So now, has she been out with you yet in the uh, in the vessel? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. She went okay. out the first first trip. She, she got to drive the boat a little bit. And so I, I didn't right. wonder if I was going to get it back, but I did get it back. So <laughs> now that the weather's turning colder, I'm on my own. Right. Did she like it better than you that she thought she would maybe when she was out? She did. Yeah, she enjoyed it. Once she got behind the wheel of the boat, she really enjoyed that a little (laughs) bit more than I think what she thought she was going to. So it's all good. In fact, I was just talking with Coach Logan a little bit earlier today. We were talking about boats and some things like that. And obviously he's had a bass boat forever and grew up on them. So he and I exchanged some ideas. We're going to get out here after Thanksgiving and get together and see if we can catch some fish. Yeah, that's great. Hey, Coach, great to talk to you. You're a great uh, man for doing this, putting up with my idiotic questions and uh, giving us your time, so we thank you. And, hey, uh, listen, I, I enjoyed it, Patrick. I, I Listen, I, I got a great feeling for the people of East Carolina and that university. I, I think I really – I believe it's one of the best – it's the best place I ever worked, and uh, I really enjoyed my time there. So appreciate everybody back that way. That Plum, New Mexico State, and Kent State operations a close second, I'm sure. <laughs> Hey, but, Boston uh, College wasn't. Uh, Boston College was not as good a job as East Carolina when I was there. I tell you, I, I enjoyed, and I like Boston College, but uh, yeah. I really enjoyed being an offense coordinator much more than ever being a head coach. And East Carolina was just a great, great place to be. And not a not a bad deal now in the USFL because it's just football. You don't have to worry about this NIL or any of this. So that's that's a, not a bad deal good. either, right? Yeah. And again, right, because I'm just an offensive coordinator, I don't have to worry about all the rest of it anymore. <laughs> just score points. <laughs> That's right. That's right. All right. Hey, Coach, great to talk to you. Have uh, have a good weekend, and uh, we'll talk to you next week. All right. Appreciate it, buddy. All right. There he goes, uh, the great Doug Martin with us uh, here. Pilk, I asked. You did. You did. And we, we didn't even get a straight you- answer. Isn't it bad luck to take a boat out when you haven't named it yet? I don't know. I don't have a boat, so I, I, don't, I don't know. I, I was, my brother was going to get one at one time. He actually got a loan for it, but then ended up not buying it for whatever reason. And then uh, I kicked around the idea a few years ago of getting a boat. Uh, but because I remember I they told Forrest Gump it's bad luck to have a boat without a name, and then he named it Jenny, and then he started catching all them shrimp. That's what happened. 
Yeah, you're basing it on cinema. Hey, did uh, what would you suggest he named the book? It's got to kind of be a play off of offensive football, right? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Well, you got to keep the wife happy. She probably, when yes, she's sir. on the boat, she probably doesn't want to be thinking about football because all she hears about is football. So oh, that's true. I don't know. That's true. Well. We'll brainstorm it. All right, Pilk, you ready to wrap this puppy up uh, as I head over to the stadium here or the arena? Yeah, I'm ready. Have a good call, Patrick. All right, thank you, buddy. I'll head over. Uh, Sinai on ESPN Plus at 7. And coming up, uh, Darren Vaught and uh, Coach uh, Michael Perry will be on the uh, radio call for you here on 94.3 The Game. Pilk will uh, do a little preview and uh, also cover some of the other news and notes from the world of sports we didn't get to today right after these words. And now, the stunning conclusion of the show. It's the P-Man here on 94.3 The Game. Welcome back into the Patrick Johnson Show here on this Wednesday. I'm Philip Pilkington. I'll be taking over for the P-Man as he heads over to Williams Arena, Minji's Coliseum, as the Pirates get set to host University of South Carolina Upstate tonight. The Pirates come into this one 2-0, and and in typical Mike Schwartz fashion, it has been the defense that has led the way this season to those two victories. Coach Schwartz wasn't extremely happy with it in the first game, but better win the second game as they knocked off uh, Campbell. And for some reason, I did my schedule got minimized, so I am sorry about that. But they knocked off Campbell 77-63. They played a lot better team defense in that second competition than they did in the first one against Farum. I welcome in our intern, William. He has made it. What game did you go to earlier this year, William? You've been to a game this year, haven't you? Yep, I attended the Farum game and was in the student section rooting for the Pirates. There you go. Pirates open the season against D2, D3, something like that, Ferrum. D3. D3, yeah, and uh, got the win. Um, we're going to move over and we're going to talk a little bit about the Pirate opponent, South Carolina Upstate. They come into this one at 1-2. and two. Their one loss is against Carolina University. It is a school out of Winston-Salem, and I have to say, I've never heard of Carolina University. I haven't either, and I be, I think that I would have heard of them saying that they're from Winston-Salem, but it makes me believe they had to be a JUCO, NAI, or D3 school. Yeah. I, I'm with you, though. There's no way this is just a D2 school. But anyways, they knocked them off 106-48 to on Sunday. Their two losses uh, did come on the roads. They're 0-2 on the road this season, but they were to much superior competition. First game, they opened the season last Monday with an 82-53 loss in Columbia against the Gamecocks of South Carolina, a team the Pirates will see this season. And then they traveled to Nashville to take on the Commodores of Vanderbilt in a 74-67 loss. Not bad, considering you don't consider USC Upstate a very good team. And I think Vandy's got a solid team this year, don't they, William? Vandy does have a solid team. And actually, they had a player come off the bench and score 21 for them to help um, blow past South Carolina Upstate. Yeah, wow. Having to go deep as an SEC school against a team out of whatever conference they're in. I think maybe the Big South, but don't quote me on it. Yes, the Big South. Um, yeah, 
proves that this team can hang with superior competition. And, you know, I think that's going to help them tonight. It is why the Pirates have to be cautious because clearly, you know, they've come out and they've played much superior competition. They're not going to be scared. They're not going to walk in, you know, their tail tucked between their legs because, They've played two SEC schools and and playing a team like East Carolina. I mean, I don't you know no knock on ECU. I think we got a good team this year, but uh, I wouldn't say Vandy or South Carolina is necessarily better than East Carolina, but they're probably equal to. So you have to say I think this really helps South Carolina Upstate coming in that they've played superior competition. I would have to say that ECU has to be hesitant going into this game. South Carolina Upstate was leading Vandy at half, uh, 31-27, to thanks to Trey Brodney, and he actually led them in points, rebounds, and assists that game. Wow, that's that's big. They've got one guy that's that dominant. Hopefully the Pirates can shut him down tonight. Looking a little more over at ECU before we give you our keys to a Pirate victory. Bobby Pettiford Jr., we were a little worried if he was even going to play those first couple games. He has logged 43 total minutes over the first two games. Um, he, I think he cramped up a little bit the first game. I far as I know, he's playing tonight. He's obviously dealt with hamstring injuries in his time at Kansas and then here at East Carolina in the offseason. But I remember, William, you said that you were very impressed with the play of Pettiford. I am. I'm very impressed with him, and I'm glad that he's able to stay healthy and be out on the court. He's averaging right now 22 minutes per game, and uh, right now he has 4.5 assists per game. So it's very impressive to see him handling the ball and dishing it out to help uh, scores like Brandon Johnson put the ball in the hoop. I think it's going to allow some of our other players, such as R.J. Felton, to play more off-ball, as well as Jaden Walker and Caleb Account to open up their scoring as well. So I think he is a vital piece to this team this season. Now we're going to move over to our keys to a Pirate victory. And what I like about the Pirates this year, despite having some big scores in Brandon Johnson, R.J. Felton, and Ezra Sar, when you're a team that prides itself on defense – You've got to find scoring other places. You have a handful of players averaging over six points a game this season, meaning it's not just been one or two guys they've really relied on. I think they need to stay dynamic in the offense and continue to have a, a lot of different guys scoring and stay good at the free throw line. 38 of 50 on the season, that's 76%, much better than a year ago. What do you think, William? I think that one of the biggest keys to victory today will be rebounding. I think rebounds on the defensive and offensive side are going to be a very big um, thing to tell us who's going to actually come out on top. Yeah, that's a good point. And when you play these lesser teams, if you let them beat you on the glass, especially their offensive glass, you can really get yourself in trouble make it with some second-chance points. All right, minute and a half left in the show. One of the things we brought to you in our update was – Williams, Cleveland Browns will be without Deshaun Watson for the remainder of the 2023 season. We got a little over a minute, so uh, I'll let you take it away. Your early thoughts there on the injury to your star quarterback. Quoting Deshaun Watson, he said that he was in disbelief of this shoulder injury. He did not see it coming. He thought he was fully healed and was ready to go out there and put on a very good show against the Ravens, obviously having to come back win from being down 15 points. But during the game, he uh, endured a shoulder fracture, and he is now going to have to go through a season-ending surgery that's going to put the Browns at a hard spot and being only a few games out of playoff contention, and they're going to have to rely on new rookie quarterback. 
Yeah, Denard Thompson Robinson. He was impressive in the preseason. Did not look good in his first start earlier this year. They had ran with PJ Walker a little bit earlier this year. Is definitely more experienced. Pirate fans know him as he played at Temple. That'll wrap it up for our show today. So thank you to William. Thanks to Doug Martin, Patrick Johnson. I'm Philip Pilkington. Stay tuned right here to 94.3 The Game. Half an hour away from network coverage of East Carolina and USC Upstate. Have a great night, Pirate Nation. 